0: Sannu Mitrasyam Varunaha, Sannu Bhavatvaryama, Sannu Indro Brahaspati, Sannu Vishnururuk Kramaha, Namo Brahmane, Namaste Vaya, Tvameva Pratyaksham Brahmasi, Swami vaphratyakshambhram avadishyami, rtam avadishyami, satyam avadishyami, tanmam avadu, tadvaktaram avatu maam avatu Om shant is shant is shant hi. Um sahana vavadu sahana bhunatu sahavir yankarva vahai vidvishavahai. Om Shanth 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 Shanthi Om Yas Chand Samrishabhavishvarupa Chand Abhyadhyamruta Sambhavhuva Samindra Amrutasya devadharana bhūyasam sharīram me vicharṣanam me madhumattama karna abhyāmbhūrivishruvam brahmaṇa koṣo medhaya me gopāya Om Shanteshanteshanthe Om Aham Rakshasya Reriva Kirtiv Prastham Gireriva Urdhapavitra Sumedha Amrita Kshidaha Itetra Saṅkār Vedānu Vacanam Om Shānti Shānti Shāntihe Om Pūrāṇamadav Pūrāṇamidam Pūrāṇāt Pūrāṇasya Pūrāṇamā puranameva eva Om Shānti, Shānti, Shānti Shruti Pūrāṇānāṃ Ālayam karunālayam Namāmi bhagavat shankaram Saṅkaram loka saṅkaram Śaṅkaraṁ śaṅkarācāryaṁ kēṣabhaṁ bādarāyaṁ śūtra-bhāśya-kṛtau-vande bhagavantau-punap-punahāṁ Īśvaro-gururātmedhi mūrti-bheda-vibhāgine vyau-mavat-vyāptadehāya mavat akhandam satchidanam akhandam satchidanam avaang manasa gocaram avaang manasa gocaram atmanam akhiladharam atmanam akhiladharam ashraye bhishta siddhaye ashraye bhishta siddhaye Arthato pyadvayanandana, arthato pyadvayanandana, Atita tadvaita bhānataha, ati tadvaita bhānataha, Guru Narādhya Vedānta, Guru Narādhya sāram We have completed the discussion on what is known as Anubandha Chatushtaya, the four primary questions that arise, or four primary requisites, Anubandha Chatushtaya, Adhikari, Vishaya, Sammandha and Parayoganam. Adhikari, the competent student, Vishaya, the subject matter of the text, Sammandha, the connection that the text has with the subject matter, and prayajanam, the purpose to attain as a result of gaining this knowledge, these four in the, in the, in the requisites or the questions have been answered here. Now the author proceeds with the text. In so doing, he shows how a student who is just prepared, who has thus acquired these qualifications, what should this student do and how does he do that? So what is the next step that the student should take, having developed these qualifications for the master that has been described, what is the next step that the student takes, that is being said in the passage 30, on the page 17. अनला संतक्त है, बीप्त शुराहा, जलराशिन इवा, उपहार पानही, शुरोत्रियं, ब्रह्मनिष्ठं, गुरुम्, उपसृत्या, तम्, Anusarate Tadvignana Artham Saha Gurumeva Vigached Samet Panahi Shropriam Brahmanishtam Ityave I am adhikari. Adhikari means the qualified student. I am adhikārei, the student who is thus qualified. Thus qualified, thus possessed of these qualifications, four full qualifications, viveka, vairāgya, samādiśatka sampattihi, muhukṣatvam, the adhikari or the seeker who is thus endowed with these qualifications. Let us say that who is endowed with these qualifications to a certain extent, to find an avikari or a student who is perfect, who is endowed with all the qualifications, to find such an ideal student is very, very rare. But let us say that we are talking about a student who is, reason- who has acquired these qualifications in a reasonable measure. So perfect students are rare. In Kathopanishad, there is a student who is Nachigeta, very rare student. Must be just a, t- a twelve year old boy. And he goes to Yamaraja, the lord, the death of, the lord of death. And seeks this knowledge. Just a twelve year old boy. And he seeks the knowledge of the self. Perhaps you know the story how he happened to go there. How he happened to enrage his father. How he, how he invited the wrath of his father. How the father in anger said, I am giving you to death. And in order to fulfill the words of his father, how he actually went to death, or the Lord of Death, and how when he went to the palace of the Lord of Death. The Lord of Death was not there, Yamaraja was not there. He returned after three days, and during these three days, this boy just stood there at the gates of the palace, without food, without water, without anything. He did not accept any kind of, uh, you know, he did not even enter the palace, even though he was asked to go. And then Yamaraja returned and found this boy waiting at the gates. And he was informed that this is a boy who is waiting here for three days, all hungry and thirsty, and immediately take care of him. And then Yamaraja immediately calls him and gives him an asana, and then, uh, you know, takes care of him first, and then asks him. Uh says, who are you, where are you coming from? And then says, I'm very pleased with you that you have been waiting here for three days hungry, and therefore I am offering you three boons, one boon for every night that you stayed hungry. And thus this boy in the he is asked to select three boons, and the Shikeda then asks for the boons. In the first boon he says, please see that my father enjoy, has a peace of mind. The first thing that he thinks of is his father, that I have left my father against his will, just to fulfill his words. And so he is very upset. Not angry, but very upset. Very guilty. And therefore I am sure that he won't be able to sleep also, that he has sent me away to death. And therefore, please see that he has a peace of mind. So the father's peace of mind, the father's well-being is what he first asks. In the second womb, he asks for the knowledge or a ritual by the performance of which one can attain svarga or heavens because that's what people generally desire. So second boon he asked for, for the welfare of the people because the common desire that people entertain was going to heavens. Therefore please give me the knowledge of that ritual by performance of which people can go to heavens. So that ritual also was taught to him. So first the well-being of the father of the family, second the well-being of the society, and now third well-being of the self. And then, the third moon, when he asked to take, then he asked this question, I have heard that uh, when the person dies, then this doubt remains, whether there is self or not. Meaning, when the person dies, then is there anything that remains called the self? Or, this body itself is the self, and therefore by the death of the person, the self also dies. So this, this doubts, are there, these questions are there even in the learned people. Astriti keke, naya mastriti Some people say that the self other than the body is, some others say that there is no self beyond this body, and this is the knowledge that I want to get from you. You please teach me this. And this kind of a question coming from a young boy like this, Yamaraja is flabbergasted. He cannot believe that. And therefore, he wanted to he wanted to determine whether this boy has a genuine desire to know or is just asking for the sake of asking. And therefore, Yamaraja, the Lord of Death, presents various, he first of all, says that it is extremely difficult. What you are asking for is extremely difficult. Even the gods also have doubts about the self and therefore it is very, very difficult to know. Therefore you give up this, this desire and ask for something else. <coughs> then the boy says, even the devatah or gods also have questions about it then I all the more want to know because that must be really something that even gods also do not know and then Yamaraja says no no but it is very difficult you give up this uh, insistence about know- self knowledge I will give you all the wealth that you need I will give you the sons and grandsons and kingdom and horses and elephants and gold and everything I will give you I will give you as long a life as you want come on but give up this desire, or give up this demand, rather, for the self-knowledge. <coughs> this boy did not show any response at all. And then Yamaraja raised his price, says, okay, look, you are in the heavens now. You see all these wonderful pleasures in the heavens, which are not available there. I will give you those. And all these chariots and all the, 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 all the vehicles you see here, all the dancers and the musical instruments and all of these are not available on the earth. I'll send all of these for, to you to serve you. Never. Have these things. The boy says, Is a man ever satisfied by wealth? Never. So man can never be satisfied by money or the wealth. By wealth you understand not only money, but name, fame, recognition, prestige, men can never be satisfied. Hyantaka, all of that, all these pleasures that you are offering are those which will not even be tomorrow. The existence of them is questionable. Whether they will be tomorrow available not is questionable. Meaning, all the pleasures that you offer are perishable. And whatever you can offer is going to be perishable. No doubt you will offer me a long life, but how long a life can one enjoy? Any length of time that one enjoys this limited life is still going to be in significant reference to the limitless time. And therefore, regardless of what you give me, it's going to be limited. And therefore, I'm not interested in them. Keep your vehicles and your instruments with you. I have nothing to do with them. So he says, Geta doesn't want those things, he just wants the knowledge of the self. So, this kind of vairagya of dispassion, arriving from viveka or discrimination, is what is exhibited by Geta in the story of the Kathopanishad. Very beautiful story. You know Rajya was flabbergasted, he never found a student like this, and he poured himself out, you know. He spent such a lot of time praising the student, and then uh, slowly started imparting the knowledge, and that dialogue is known as Kathopanishad. So these kind of students are rare. Those who are who are totally devoted or committed to truth. And therefore nothing can shake them, nothing can distract them. There is no fascination, no attraction that can ever distract them. Not because of disgust for them. But such an amount of commitment is there for the truth that nothing else can ever deviate them from their commitment. This is an ideal student. Of course, ideal student like this is rare to find. But still we should say that one is qualified to study Vedanta or the study of Vedanta will benefit one when there is what we call mumukshutra and vairagya. Primary qualification is vairagya, it is a dispassion. Meaning a reasonable freedom from the passions of likes and dislikes. And mumukshutra, a desire for moksha or desire for liberation, meaning a desire for knowledge. So dispassion, meaning a reasonable freedom from the passions of likes and dislikes, and secondly, a reasonable desire for the knowledge, a love for knowledge. These two are the main qualifications. vairāgyanta mumukshutvam tīvam vidyate. One who has this vairāgya meaning this dispassion and the desire for learning in a strong measure, of course, is fine. But even that also, we generally do not have in a strong measure. Even Vairagya, the dispassion we have also, is there to some extent. And Jignasa, the desire for knowledge also is there. In the beginning, these are going to be manda, meaning these are going to be only uh, mild. Or only in a small measure. That, from the experiences in life, from thinking about the life, and by being exposed to certain literature and certain teaching, etc., that a certain dis- the understanding of the world arises in us, and that's how a arises for the limited things. And also therefore a desire for knowledge arises, manda. Manda means this is still very slow or mild, small in measure. And slowly and slowly this vairagya and mumukshita must become Tivra. they must become intense. As we are exposed to this teaching, and as we wake our discrimination arises in us, then our reagu of dispersion also becomes mature, and our desire for knowledge also becomes more and more mature. So, a, a maturity is to be achieved, or will be achieved by the students when they pursue this study of Vedanta. So, how do we know uh, whether we are, some people want to know whether we are progressing or not? is what is the extent of vairāgya? To what extent have you become free from these passions of likes, dislikes, various impulses and reactions? And secondly, to what extent there is in me this love for knowledge? (coughs) If there is love for knowledge, well, that will bring everything in its way. Because if you love knowledge, you know that knowledge requires a mind free from other preoccupations and other demands. And naturally, therefore, you see the need for what we call vairagya or dispassion, and so it will come. (coughs) Now, say that we have a student. What should this student do, or what does he do, is being discovered in the passage 38 that we just read. I am ahikari. This ahikari, this qualified student, how is he? Janana Maranadi Samsara Nara This student is samtattaha. Samtapta, samtap'ta scorched with Anala Anala means the fire. This student is scorched with a fire. Of what? Samsara. Samsara, the one who is scorched by the fire of samsara. What is samsara? Samshara, the samsara de asmiriti samsara where one keeps on moving from one life to another, from one birth to another. And therefore this endless round of birth and death is called samsara, transmigration. And by birth and death we understand also all the subsequent modifications, all the modifications that are involved between these two. And by birth and death we also understand a life of limited embodiment, and therefore a life of what we call there is life with a sense of bondage and limitation. So this bondage or limitation or this embodiment which involves an endless round of birth and death is called samsara. And one who has been scorched by the fire of samsara. What is there in the samsara? What is there in this life of birth and death that will scorch you? Janana maranadi. Janana birth, marana death. Shankarajara says in one place, Punarabijanam, jananam, punarapi maranam, punarapi janani jathare shaynam, ihasamsare bahudustare krupayapare pahimurare bhajugavindam. So, punarapi jananam, he is offering a prayer to the Lord, or he seeks the help of the Lord. So, punarapi jananam, again and again this birth, Unarapi mananam, again and again this death. Unarapi janani jachare shayanam. And again and again, again, again again entering the womb of the mother and going through all these things. Iha samsare bahudustare, This samsara or this endless cycle of birth and death is dustara, is extremely difficult to cross. Apara, there is no end to that. And therefore, krupaya, pahi, o please protect me. So understand that in the Indian context the samsara is always expressed in the form of this cycle of birth and death. But we can understand in whichever way we, it appeals to us. We may say samsara is a life of limitation, life of seeking, a sense of limitation, inadequacy, a life of sense of limitation which brings about fear, which brings about uh, uh, sadness, which bring, brings about self-non-acceptance. So samsara meaning self-non-acceptance and sense of inadequacy, uh, so all of the life of seeking, the, the experience of bondage, in whichever way you explain what we call the fundamental problem that we have in our life, that is called samsara. In the Indian context, it is always described as a life of birth and death. So Indians having been brought up in this kind of a culture, would always perhaps say, I don't want to be born again. So this is what they I don't want another birth. I want liberation in this birth. But when you say that, when someone says, I do not want next birth, meaning that I do not want all the pain and suffering associated with birth, and a subsequent embodiment in a life of limitation. And this pain is so much, not so much at the physical level, which it is there, of course, adhyātmika, ādhātmika, ādhātmika, Life involves this pain or suffering at three levels. adhyatmika, the level of the individual body and the mind. Ādhātmika, pain, pain arising on account of the surrounding situations. Ādhātmika, pain arising on account of the cosmic situations. Adhyatmika. The pain or santava or the scorching that we constantly suffer arising from three sources, from the individual, from the environment and from the cosmic sources. And one wants to become free from that. So when one says that, when someone says I am not interested in the birth, I don't want to be born again, meaning that I do not want to be subjected to this kind of suffering again. Thus a limited embodiment is always it always involves pain and suffering. Sharidam vyadumandiram somebody says. Or Vyabigastam Kalevaram. Where the body is, there is going to be a disease. Where the body is, there is always going to be some disease. Old age. Death, these pains are there. Likes and dislikes. Viddi jyabhimana grasdam. Lokam soka chasamastam Again Sinkarajara says that all this world is full of vyādhi, disease, at the physical level or at the mental level, and abhimāna, it involves a transaction among the people which is based on ego, and that is how it all involves uh shokahatam. We find that people are, in fact, always under depression or always under sadness. So that's when one thinks about the life and compares it with what it could be, what one is seeking, namely full completeness, then naturally you you find that the life is full of what we call pain or suffering. So thus, one who experiences their suffering, one who becomes sensitive to that, very often people are not sensitive to their own self, and they do not realize what an amount of pain that they are experiencing from within. Because we are so preoccupied with activities and we are so extrovert, our attention being somewhere in the outside, we are not sensitive to our own self. That's the reason why when people come to a place like this, Gurukulam, all of a sudden the pain starts arriving from inside, you know, as though Gurukulam is giving it to us. Sometimes it feels. But that's not so. When we are out in the world, then there are also a demand upon us, and therefore, we have no time, we really need to think about ourselves generally but when a lot of time is given to us to be with ourselves, all the Vedantic teaching always throws ourselves upon ourselves. And therefore we have to confront ourselves, we have to settle account on our with ourselves, we are thrown on our own lap in Vedantic teaching, and particularly in setup of Guru Kula. Then we become sensitive to our own self, and then we realize, so there is some pain inside, and that we become aware of our own pains, Uh, which perhaps were buried under a variety of activities or 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 distractions. But here is a student who has become sensitive to his own sense of limitation. We are not talking about pain that comes from the ordinary things, that I did not get a job and I didn't get this and that is all right. But the pain that one experiences because there is a sense of limitation. The pain one experiences because one sees that it's constantly going on a struggle in my life to become free. And that struggle for freedom, struggle to become adequate, struggle to become complete, that struggle is not getting fulfilled in spite of all these efforts. And one becomes fami- aware of that struggle and that pain involved in that fundamental struggle. Pains are at the different levels. There is a physical pain, There is pain arising from uh, superficial pains are there. But we are talking about that fundamental pain which is there which one becomes aware of, on account of, that struggle that one has to constantly go through. The kind of pain that Arjuna suffered when he came to the battlefield. Arjuna had no other emotional problems or nothing, and still he discovered himself in such an amount of pain and grief, because he became aware of his fundamental needs. He thought that his needs were merely a kingdom and victory and stuff like that, and so he was so far active and busy in fulfilling those needs, then he discovered that his need is something else. In spite of fulfilling the needs in the terms of name and fame and power, the sinist fundamental need is not fulfilled. And when this one becomes aware of something more fundamental that one needs, that is the fire or the agni, the fire that we are talking about, scorched by that fire of that deep pain or suffering that one experiences. And then realizes that whatever pain that the life brings in different situations, nothing but the manifestation of that pain. So in and through all the pain that we experience in our transactions in life and our experiences in life is ultimately it arises from that fundamental pain. When one becomes sensitive about that, then alone one will seek what we call a fundamental solution. Until then one will only seek the superficial solutions. If I do not understand my own pain, then I will seek solutions. It's just superficial, all right, you know, let me have a home, let me have a job, let me get married, let me have a child, let me have this, let me, and I think that, okay, I'll be able to avoid those things. And by doing this, maybe the pain seems to go away for a moment and it seems to come back. So when one becomes sensitive to this fact that the pain that one is experiencing does not really come from simply the, the parents and the childhood and stuff like that, which it may be, but that the source of pain is even more fundamental. It is not merely my upbringing, not merely my childhood, not merely my society or culture and whatever, but it is something much more, it is more fundamental, which is fundamental to every human being. And that comes from inner sense of inadequacy, uh, inner sense of incompleteness, a sense of bondage, a sense of limitation, and that there is a constant struggle going on to become free from that limitation. When one becomes sensitive to that, pain, of suffering. So, janana mananadi Samsarana Santaptaha one finds oneself is caused by the fire of samsara consisting of birth and death, or raga and desha, the passions and reactions and all of these are causing me pains. So when one is caused by that and one finds that there is no other solution to that, one has tried all the solutions and nothing seems to work. And here, an example is given. So, what is the nature of this person who is experiencing that pain? Deep tashiraha, jala rasu Deep, deep tashiraha. One whose head is in, one whose head is on fire. How is the head on fire? Suppose he a bald-headed man or a man without hair. Nidra samadhiyan nar kamariji a person, bald-headed person, who is exposed to the the summer, the sun, you know, at the midday sun of the months of summer in India, imagine, with temperatures in the 110, 115 degrees temperature, and a person at the midday, he is exposed to this kind of a sun for a period of time, and how he experiences a tremendous, you know, he feels that his head is burning. So his head is burning or on fire on account of the scorching of the sun. And similarly, also one who finds one's heart is burning on account of the scorching of the fire of samsara. So here the fire is something inside, in the heart, because of the the fire of samsara, one is scorched. The illustration is given is the the fire externally, fire of the heat of sun, because of which one is scorched because one's head is on fire. And how this man, jalarāsim what does he want? What, where does he run to? Jalarāsim. All he wants is what? Only a lake of cool water, a pool of cool water. When he is on fire like this, the only thing that you can think of is a, a pool of water, where you can plunge in and cool yourself down. At that time nothing will appear to you. A man who's is on fire, let like us say, is running. Where is he running? He's looking for a pool of water. At that time hey, you want to have a cup of coffee? Hey, here is an ice cream, you know? Suppose you offer him such things, he will not, he will have nothing to do with them. Why? Because the only thing that he is preoccupied with, how to become free from this burning. Similarly also, when one is so scorched by the fire of some, you know, that nothing in the world, hey, you want this job? You want this promotion? You want this? You want that nothing at all appeals to him because he knows that is nothing. So here this shows the intensity of one's becoming aware of one's own fundamental problem. And also the intensity that also the need or an understanding of the solution. He knows the only thing that can really cool me down is a pool of water. And here also this person who is caused by the fire of samsara knows the only thing that can relieve me of this pain is knowledge of the self. Therefore he wants nothing else. Come on, do this job, I'll give you heavens. I don't want that. Come here, we'll give you this promotion, I don't want that. Here, you know this family and wife and children and this and that, I don't want anything because he realized not that there's anything wrong in them. He realized that those things cannot alleviate it relieve him of his pain. So when this sensitivity has come, so deep shiraha, jalarasam he is feeling that kind of pain. Then he goes to the teacher. Upasritya tam anusarati. He says he repairs to a teacher. He goes to a teacher. Upasritya supasaranam samipa gamanam. He goes, he approaches the teacher. Tam anusarati. Anusaranam anuvrutihi. And he serves the teacher. So he goes to the teacher and he follows the teacher. Follows the teacher means follows the instructions of the teacher. He serves the teacher. So it is possible that the teacher may wait for a period of time. Just because you approach the teacher doesn't mean the teacher may immediately start teaching you. There are instances. There is a, we have an Upanishad called Prasna Upanishad. Where six students, six seekers, go to a teacher, very famous teacher. His name was Tippalana, and approach, and he was very well known, very famous teacher. So that these six students knew, seekers knew, they themselves are great scholars. They knew that he is the one who will be able to answer our questions and resolve our doubts. Give him the knowledge, give us the knowledge, and thus knowing that they approach him. And the teacher says, "Stay here for one year." With brahmacharya, tapasa shradhya, brahmacharya, tapasa, shradhya. May you live for one year in this Gurukulam, a life of Brahmacharya, meaning a continence and serving the teacher. Shraddhya, the life of Shraddha or faith, and tapasa penance. Life of penance and austerity, life of serving the teacher. So may you live here for one year. At the end of one year, you ask me the questions as you like. And if I know the answer, I'll give you the answer." And that's how the students live there for one year, serve the teacher, at the end of the year they approach the teacher one by one and ask their questions. In another instance, also, uh, that which occurs in Chandogya Upanishad, where two disciples, Indra and Virochana, Indra is the king of gods and Virochana is uh, the king of demons. Both of them independently heard about the teacher, Prajapati or the creator, and heard that if you gain the knowledge of the self, then you gain whatever you want in your life. So independently they approached this teacher, and independently they came, and of course they met there when they reached the the um, abode of the teacher. And there they lived for 32 years. How many years? 32 years. Living a life of brahmacharya, living serving the teacher, life of austerities and penance. For thirty-two years they lived there. Then the teacher asked him, what do you want? You know. Then they say that, we have heard that the knowledge of the self will enable us to get whatever we want. And therefore we want to know the self. We have heard that the self is sinless. Ya Atma, vijaro We have heard that the self is sinless. Free from old and decrepit. Free from death. Free from grief. And knowing his atma, one attains everything, and therefore, we want to gain the knowledge of the Self, Then the teacher imparts them the knowledge, gives them an instruction, which they don't understand. Both of them go away thinking that they've understood. One of them thinks that he understood the king of demons, he was not prepared, he goes to his kingdom with his misunderstanding and spreads that. The king of the gods, on the other hand, thinks about the instruction given, and and finds that, no, this is not, this cannot be right, what I understood is not right, he comes back. Saying that I have this doubt, and I don't think that what I understood is right, then the teacher says, okay, stay for another thirty-two years. At the, at the end of that, or ask me this question, I'll tell I'll teach you. Again, Indra another thirty-two years, he performs the penance there, serves the teacher. At the end of thirty-two years, the teacher calls him, and again gives him instructions which Indra thinks that he understood and returns. And on the way again he thinks that no, no, he has, his understanding cannot be right, and he comes back and says to the teacher, that still my doubts are not resolved, still I am not clear, I don't think the what I understood is right. The teacher says, okay, another 32 years. So Indra leaves for another 32 years, and the teacher calls him at the end of year, another 32 years, which is six, 96 years, again gives him an instruction, Again Indra thinks that he understood and he returns. Again on the way he thinks that no, no, his understanding doesn't seem to be quite right. Again comes back and reports to the teacher. He dissatisfaction. Teacher says, okay, now we are essentially pure. Now all you have to do is to do the penance for five years. So another five years, Indra performs the penance. A total of 101 years. And then when the teacher finally gives him instruction, he understands it and he gains the knowledge. So this is how the Upanishads describe, you know, the, the the instructions from the teachers and the dedication of the students. Something like this is meant here. This author here uses two expressions, gurum UPASRUTYA TAM ANUSARATEI UPA means close, SRI means to move, UPASRUTYA going close to the teacher, meaning approaching the teacher, tam anusarati. Anusarati means he follows the teacher, meaning he follows the instructions of the teacher, he serves the teacher. <coughs> and this is in accordance with the statement from the Mundaka Upanishad that is quoted here, tad vijnanatham sah Samit Panish śrotriyam brahmanishtam, tad vinyatam, for the knowledge of that self, saha the seeker gurumeva abhigaccheta, he must necessarily go to a teacher. So the Upanishad very clearly says that for gaining the knowledge of a self, one must necessarily go to a teacher. This is a, this is a verse quoted from Mundaka Upanishad. <coughs> And in commentary of this verse, Shankaracharya says, that even if one is well-versed in scriptures, and still one should not independently make an inquiry into Brahman, meaning one should not seek to independently pursue the knowledge of Brahman, but that the knowledge of Brahman or the knowledge of self must necessarily sought from a competent teacher. So this is an important thing, that one should go to the teacher to gain this knowledge. For the very simple reason that I do not know even what I am seeking, I do not know what the objective is, I just have a certain general feeling that I want to know the Self, but I don't know what the Self is. And therefore it is necessary that I gain that knowledge from the one who knows, therefore The Upanishad says, what is the nature of the teacher? Who who is a competent teacher? Shrotriyam Brahmanishtam. Student also is qualified and teacher also is qualified. Shrotriyam Brahmanishtam. Shrotriyam. Vela Vedanga Paragam Paragatvam Shrotriyatvam. Shrotriya is a person who is well versed in scriptures. And particularly who is well versed in Vedanta. He is Shrotriya sasrotriya, so, one who is well versed in the scriptures, that is Vedanta, and one who has the ability to communicate. Not only one knows the scriptures well, but then one also has an ability to communicate or unfold that knowledge before the students. That means one who has gained the knowledge from his own teacher in what we call the tradition of the teaching and learning, and one who is thus familiar with the tradition, and never one who is able to impart the knowledge also in the same traditional manner, he'll be called Shrotriya. <coughs> so one who can dispel our doubts, various questions arise in our mind, and one who is capable of resolving our questions and doubts with the help of reasoning, with the help of scriptural knowledge, and one thus who is well versed in communication, he is called Shrotriya. So, so Shrotriya means one who has learned the Vedas well, is called Shrotriya. <coughs> And the second qualification of the teacher is Brahmanishtha. Brahmanishtha means one who abides in Brahman. One who abides in the knowledge of Brahman. It's called Brahmanista. So not only he has the knowledge of scriptures, but then he has the immediate knowledge of what the scriptures are revealing. And so one who is brahmanishtha one who abides in knowledge of Brahman, to such a competent teacher one should go. <coughs> Except that we will never know whether the teacher abides in Brahman or how do we know. What, you know, what competence even do we have sometimes to judge somebody else? Whether is Shrutriya, well-versed in scriptures or not, that we can perhaps see, you know. Whether he can communicate well or not, that also we can see. Whether he is able to resolve our doubts or not. So there are some other qualifications that are also stated, yasya sharotriya kamahataha, says that this teacher also will be Avrujinaha akamahataha. Avrujinaha means sinless or pure. So also one of the qualifications of all that is knowledge and wisdom. Any knowledge of scriptures is wisdom, is, is maturity. Is, all of that will necessarily be manifest in his life also, in his person also. And you will find this person Avrujinaha. Yhtokaraya Nishpaavatum. He's Nishpaha. He is sinless. There are no angularities in him. And thus you find the person virtuous, sinless. So that is one qualification or that is one evidence. And second is Akamahataha. Akamahata means one who is not under the compulsion of karma or desires. So one who is free from desires and passions, and one who is pure or sinless. So these are the qualifications of the teacher. So thus the students also naturally judge the teacher, whether teacher is competent or not. Nobody is going to submit himself or herself to some just, anybody or everybody, and you should not also. So it is necessary that the teacher should be basically akamahata, free from karma, meaning the desires and passions. And secondly, free from the need of having to pursue the pleasures. Naturally, because when one is satisfied with one's own self, there is no need for pursuing the, the material or sensuous pleasures. And that's how, on account of the satisfaction and the contentment that he is enjoying from his own self, that he has discovered a freedom from the need to pursue the material pleasures. And there is no need for papa. He is a pure person and therefore there is no, you don't find in his behavior or in his acts that he, he violates or transgresses the basic codes of conduct that you don't find. And therefore, shrotriya avrujinaha akamahataha. This is how Brihadaranyaka Upanishad also describes the teacher. So he goes, a student goes to a teacher like this. <coughs> in what way does he approach? Say that Samit Paanahi. Samit Paanahi. With Samit. Samit means the fagots or the fuel in his hand. So Samidham Paanam Yasya sah, Samit Paanahi. So one way this Samit or one, the, the fagots in the hand. So when he approaches the teacher, he does not go empty-handed. He goes with his hands full with some gift for the teacher. But what gift this person would have? He has already given up his home. He has renounced everything. He doesn't have anything with himself. What gift can he take? And therefore, he takes something which will be useful to the teacher. Something simple. So the teacher is himself following the basic codes of conduct and the, the, the rituals enjoined, the daily and obligatory rituals enjoined by the Vedas. And so imagine that here is a teacher who maintains the fire, and who performs the fire rituals, and therefore this student here, the seeker, as he is walking through the forest, approaching the abode of the teacher, then he collects the dry uh, twigs or the dry uh, branches, you know, of the, of the trees, so dry faggots, which will be useful as fuel for performing the fire ritual. So that's all. That's available. In his walking, he collects those dry twigs, and in his hands, he goes thus with his hands full, and approaches the teacher, and submits himself to the teacher. Samit pāṇhim Samit shabdha guru ho Anurupa, the idea is that it is not that today also we to collect the fuel and go to a teacher. The idea is that the person goes to the teacher with some kind of a present or a gift which will be useful to the teacher. So this is of course, uh, what is important here is the spirit behind this. It is a in the seveda rājanam devatāṁ guruṁ says here that you should not approach rāja or a king, devata god. Or go to the teacher with empty-handed. When you go to a king, when you go to God, when you go to the temple or go to the teacher, you must always go with some kind of prayer. That's why you find that people, when they come to the temple, they always bring some fruits or flower or some kind of a... That's why they have this hundi or whatever, this. you know. So they always uh, make an offering. This is customary. <coughs> it's not that you collect the money. That's, you know, people offer the money. And you don't go around and, you know, but then when people come to the temple they themselves, make an offering. Because you never go empty-handed to a temple, never go empty-handed to a king and so forth. And so that also says that you do not go empty-handed. Meaning you are taking your heart with you and expressing your heart or your reverence through a present or a gift. This is the old tradition according to which this is written here. But what is important here is a spirit, not necessarily a particular formality. It's not that we necessarily have to carry something with us to a teacher. But then, what it means is that uh, giving a present or offering something is really a symbol of offering our own self. Samit (coughs) Parnahim. The Samit or the dry faggots also have a very nice significance. When the faggots are dry, then they will immediately catch fire when they are added to the fire. And here also the student, is, uh, so when the faggots are free from all the moisture, then alone they will catch fire, otherwise not. Because wet firewood will only give rise to smoke. The firewood also must be dry, then alone it will really burn well. And similarly also, as long as in our heart there is a the moisture of the likes and dislikes, etc. and the ego, so long that there is only smoke in that heart. <laughs> when that heart is subjected to the teaching, a lot of smoke comes out. But when the heart is dry, devoid of what we call likes and dislikes and ego, etc., then it catches fire. And as much as the teaching becomes effective, and that also is symbolized by offering of dry faggots. <coughs> it also says, in Chandogya Upanishad, it is said, "Acharyavan Purusho Veda. Acharyavan Purushaha. Purusha the Purushaha or the seeker, who is Acharya? Who is the teacher? So, teacher is called Acharya. In Sanskrit, the teacher is called Acharya. Acharya, what is derived from this A plus T? So, is a Shastrani. Acharya is the one who has, who has studied the scriptures well. Svayam Acharya one who also implements in his own life what he has studied. And, uh, Paran, Paran Acharya so one who also makes other people also follow. So So one is said to be Acharya when one has studied the scriptures, one has implemented that very same thing in one's own life, and one imparts that to others also. So Acharya one So Acharya is one who has assimilated the very same teaching in his own life, and one who is able to impart that to others also. That is called acharyam. So Chandogya Upanishad says, acharyavan purusho veda. One who has a teacher, he alone comes to know. Meaning that without the teacher, without a guide, teacher means a spiritual guide, they call it. So without a spiritual guide, it is not possible to gain this knowledge. One may get distracted, or one may get also uh, perhaps... Uh, uh, get confused on the way. Also is said in Chandogya Upanishad, Acharya Dhivo Vidya Vidita Sadhistham prapata. Only when the Vidya or the knowledge is gained from Acharya, from the teacher, Sadhistham Prapata. That, that knowledge really becomes uh, brilliant. That knowledge becomes exalted. That knowledge becomes effective only when it has been acquired from the teacher. So there is, this is also a part of the belief system anyway. People believe that when an instruction comes from the teacher, then it carries something. That's why they go to the teacher and ask for what they call mantra. Please give me a mantra so that I can repeat that. I mean, after all, mantras are all well-known and famous and still you go to a teacher and ask and seek the mantra from him. It is believed that when the teacher gives you a mantra, then his own power also goes with it. And therefore, the teacher-student relationship is when the teacher also transmits his own grace and uh, you know uh, his own kindness as well as his own good wishes to the to the disciple. And so, when the when the instruction comes from the teacher, then that instruction only becomes effective, most effective. So he said, "Here, Srutiram Brahmanistam Guru Tam Anusarati Approaching, properly approaching this teacher, he follows him. <coughs> follows him means he serves him, he follows his instruction. That is very important to follow the instructions of the teacher. Okay. And in the passage 31 it is said, what should the guru do? Suppose such a student has come to him, what should the teacher do? That also is being stated here. Paramakrupaya Adhara Apavada Nyayena Enam Upadishati Tasma is a bit Prasanda chittaya, shaman vitaaya, yenak purusham veda satyam, yenak tattvato brahma vidyam, itya disrutehe. What should the teacher do? Saguruhu Paramakrupaya. <coughs> Saguruhu, that very teacher to whom the disciple has approached, upadishadhi imparts also the teaching now. <coughs> the guru will not, will not but do this. The question is, what is it that the guru or the teacher has to gain by teaching the disciple? Says Paramakrupaya on account of the paramakrupa, on account of the infinite compassion that the teacher has. So, uh, out of the infinite compassion that the teacher has, the teacher will impart this teaching or impart this knowledge to the student. <coughs> Lord Krishna also says in Bhagavad Gita, tad pariprasnena sevaya jnanam jnāninah, Lord Krishna says in Gītā, hey arjuna I'm telling you the method by which you can approach the teacher, by which you will come to gain this knowledge. Says, tad viddhi Pranipāta, a long prostration. pariprashnena by honest questions. Sevaya, and by the service to the teacher. So when you approach the teacher, you have to win over this teacher. You have to invoke from the teacher that compassion. Or you have to also make the teacher understand that you are a true seeker of the knowledge. And thus, when you win over this teacher, how will you win over them? By long prostration. Meaning, prostration means only that I, my head touches the ground. And head always stands for ego. Because all our ego, ahankara, is always in the head. That's where our mind or the brain is. And they were down the head is offering my ahankara, offering my intellect to the teacher. Sevaya, seva takes place, seva means service to the teacher at the physical level, at the emotional level. And pariprasna, pariprasna by the right kind of question, at the right time. That shows the jignasa, that shows the desire for knowledge that I have. So it shows my readiness to serve the teacher. It shows also that my buddhi or the ahankara is, is offered to the teacher, I have the shraddha, and thirdly, that I have the jignasa or the desire to you know. So, when you do this, upalekshindi tejnanam, jnaninaha, tattva darsinaha. Jñāninah, the, the, uh, wise, or the learned, and tattva the wise, the learned and the wise teacher, like the shotriya and brahmanistas so also, Ina, the learned and the wise teacher will definitely give you the knowledge. It as though becomes a kartavya or a duty of the teacher to impart the knowledge when the right kind of a student presents before the teacher. So it is said, saha who, that guru who is srotriya and brahmanishtha, meaning who is a qualifier or the competent teacher, paravkrupayat, there is nothing that he has to gain, at the same time, it is very krupa, the very compassion in his heart makes him do that. The teacher also becomes almost, let us say, he loses, he doesn't have the freedom not to give thee. He also becomes, uh, he also becomes controlled or commanded by his own compassion. Naturally, because the teachers are compassionate. <coughs> so, how the compassion, upadeshati, enam upadeshati, the teacher also will impart this knowledge to the student. How? adhyaropa apavada nyayana. By the method known as adhyaropa and apavada, which we will discuss subsequently. By the method known as adhyaropa superimposition, apavada is negation. By the method of superimposition and negation. Negation means falsification. First you superimpose what is wrong upon the right, and then see that this is superimposition, and therefore see the fallacy of what is superimposed. by the method of adhyaropa and Apvada, superimposition and negation. Enum upadishadī teaches the disciple, gives impart this knowledge to the disciple. How do you say that? Because that is what is stated in what we call Mundaka upanishad. Tasmai sa vidvān upasannāya samyat prashānta cittāya samānvitāya sahavidvān, the teacher, the learned teacher, this, upasannaya. this learned teacher should offer this knowledge to this disciple who has very properly approached him. Samyak upasannaya. Upas- upasannaya means one who has approached him. Samyak upasannaya, properly approached him. chittaya, the disciple of the seeker who is meaning one who enjoys a quietude of the mind, who enjoys a mastery of the mind. Shaman Vitaya. One which sama, sama, dama, etc. So one who has a control over the mind, control over the sense organs, one who enjoys a quiet and a cheerful mind. To such a qualified disciple, when there's such a disciple approaches the teacher, the teacher should impart the knowledge. Which knowledge? Yena aksharam purusham vedasatyam. satyam. Yena that by which aksharam satyam purusham veda. That by which one comes to know the purusham or the self which is immutable, aksharam purusham veda, so that by which one would come to know the immutable, the truth, satyam, satyam means the truth, purusham, purusham means that self for the awareness, the aksharam, the immutable, so that immutable self which is of the nature of truth, so that knowledge by which one will come to know the truth, which is a self and which is immutable. Brahma Vidya, which is known as Brahma Vidya. So that Brahma Vidya, the knowledge of Brahman, by which one comes to know the Self, who is immutable and who is truth, that knowledge, tam pravacha, that knowledge one should impart. So even the Upanishad also says that a competent teacher must necessarily impart this knowledge to a competent student. And this is what the teacher does by the method of adhyaroga and Apavana, which we will take up tomorrow, because it's then, f- the here the author himself start explaining what is the Dhyāropa and what is apavada. <clears throat> om Om Pūraṇamada Pūraṇamidam Pūraṇam Pūraṇam Dacchyade Pūraṇasya Pūraṇamadāya Pūraṇam eva vaśyasyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Kesavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavanta Punah Punah Ishvaro Guru Ratmede Murti Bheda Vibhagin Vyomavad Vyapta Dehaya Daksinamuta namaha om shantishantishanthe harihi om sri नमः harihi om.